Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I always think every audition is like a blind date. When you go on a blind date, you're looking in the mirror, you're thinking about what you're wearing, you're yeah. thinking about what you're going to talk about. Like all of that thought process goes into that date, so to mm -hmm. speak. So every audition you have to think of is the same thing, that everybody wants it to be good. So just be able to breathe and yeah. be who you are. <laughs> This is Hello, Isaac, my podcast about the idea of success and how failure affects it. I'm Isaac Mizrahi, and in this episode, I talk to award-winning casting director and co-founder of the MCC Theater, Bernie Telsey. Hello, Isaac. It's Bernie Telsey. Uh, could you give me a call? I want to talk to you about this design idea I have. On this podcast, I think it's important not just to talk to like gigantic movie stars and writers and TV stars, but also to people who are just really good at what they do, you know, experts. It's one of the things we talk about all the time, especially in the performing arts. And today I'm going to talk to Bernie Telsey, whom I've known for 35 years or something for a really, really long time. Bernie is definitely one of the most important casting directors alive. He's cast Broadway shows like Rent and Wicked and In the Heights and TV shows like This Is Us and Only Murders in the Building and The Gilded Age, plus jillions and jillions of other things. Anyway, I think this is a great episode if you're an actor or a performer, or if you know an actor and a performer, you should tell them to tune in and listen to this because Bernie gives a lot of great advice. So let's waste no time. Let's get right into this. Bernie Telsey, darling. Hi, Isaac. You look good. Your hair looks good. Did you just get a haircut or something? No, it's just, it's actually growing. And it's, you know, messy. But that's a good... I like yeah, it. Yeah, I like you know, it messy. I like messy hair. Me, Me too. too. Darling, where do you work out these days? Do you still go to Manhattan Plaza? Yes, in the early, you early mornings. Do you? Because I, I don't go anymore. I can't go anymore, you know? Oh, my God. You always win. Well, I went swimming. I liked the pool there. Right. But remember right. the crazy old queen, C.A., who sort of ran the pool? No, I never he went up died. there. He died. Well, he oh, died over COVID. 
Oh, that's so not I don't good. go. I just I had to stop going. Bernie and I go to the same gym or used to go to the same gym. <laughs> but that's not how I know you. I know you for about a hundred years. Years, yeah. It's amazing. And yet, darling, I know so little about your history. Like, where are you from? Are you from New York City proper? Yeah, I'm from Elmont, New York, which is like the first right. town of Nassau County. So I grew up there the whole time until I moved to the city. And uh, what brought you to the city? Oh, I could not wait to get away from Long Island and get to Manhattan, <laughs> where the theater was, right. where the theater. Right. So I went to right, NYU. Right, right. Were you a theater major oh, yeah. in NYU? I was an acting major right. and a theater management major <gasps> because on. I always wanted to start a theater, which thankfully I'm doing. Where do you think that gene comes from? Because parents don't exactly encourage their kids right. to do this, and right? They, and they yeah. didn't. Mine certainly didn't. My mother encouraged mm -hmm. me to take accounting. But, uh, right. oh God. God bless her. But because Bernie Telsey, that's a perfect name for an accountant, <laughs> I'll just yeah. say. But it did get me my first job. So credit to her. But it started by going to the, the day camp, you know, and doing Sound of Music right. and Fiddler on the Roof playing Tevia really? at 12 years old. You're and kidding. Tell me everything. Keep going. Keep going. I went to a day camp, you know, where I played the Von Tropp's son. And then the next year I played <laughs> Tevia. Wow. So you went from playing Nazis to playing, yeah, all right, <laughs> yeah go yeah. on. <laughs> it's a whole thing. But really, then I got into high school and we didn't have a big drama department, but we had a little drama club and I got really friendly with one of my teachers, Ronnie Russo, who was a music teacher. And he just happened to also live like close by where I lived. And he ran a theater company all the way out in Long Island. And I just started going with him after school. You know, my dad worked at night. My mom didn't drive. And I would go with him after school. And then I was in the chorus of this community theater that rehearsed, you know, seven to 10. Wow. But the only way to get there was to drive with him and drive back home with him. This and is unbelievable. I started working in the office as a ninth grader and a 10th grader, seeing how this theater company was sort of running and learning about admin. And I was hanging out with all these 30-year-olds as a teenager. And I got the taste of it. Bernie, I, I, I'm going to ask you this question about your relationship with your parents, because I know that you have a really, really, really close relationship with your kids, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But it was a different time. Were they aware that you were doing all this? No. I mean, no, they were aware right? because they came to the okay, weekend yeah. performance, right. you know, of Man of La Macha, and I was a horse or I was a jet <laughs> in West Side Story. But oh, they didn't know where I was after school that I was actually helping in the office and getting home at 1 a.m. I mean, they didn't, right. you know, God bless my dad. He just worked all the time at nights and on the wow. weekend, you know, he was in retail. So they knew I was doing the theater, but they had no sense that that's what I was going to do for my life. I, I, I often think the adversity that I experienced as a kid prepared me for the world and made me go out there and do something, you know? I think the and, same. And do you feel that yeah. way about your own? Yeah. Really? And again, I love my folks, but it made me like, hungry because mm -hmm. nothing was being sort of given to me or, or directed me that I had to sort of find it by the peers that I met who were 10 years older, 15 years older. Mm -hmm. Like even college was like, oh, go to the community college down the block. And it was like, there's got to be something else and sought out NYU and figured it out and borrowed money and, you know, the whole thing. 
And, and listen, you are known in the world as a great casting director, the greatest casting oh, director. And so how did that occur to you? Like, how did you make the leap from community theater to NYU to musical production or something like that, and then into casting? I knew what a casting director was. I knew who, like, Juliet Taylor doing all the Woody Allen movies, right? you know, as a young actor. But I didn't really know what they actually do as a job. And I went to NYU and I was in the theater management program, who at that time was taught by all these working professionals in New York, like the way if mm -hmm. I was teaching or you were teaching now. And they wanted to set you up for all these producing jobs, you know, go work for Manny Eisenberg or go work for the Schuberts. And, right. and I had already met Bob Lapone and I was like, no, we're starting a theater company the day after I graduate. So really? I don't want to go work for somebody else. And then it was my admin teacher said, I know these two casting directors who are looking for somebody to work part-time. And I thought, oh, I could do part-time because that won't interfere with my dreams. <laughs> and, uh, wow. and I worked for them part-time, Meg Simon and Frank Human, And I just stayed there for six years. I mean, I loved every minute of that. And I, they started taking wow. me to the theater every night and, you know, having a place to talk about your taste and what you like and what you're seeing around town. And, you know, I was acting for a little bit. I understudied Matthew Broderick on Brighton Beach Memoirs. But really? I started seeing actors and I was like, oh, I can't do that. I'm not that good. Like, that's really good. Mm -hmm. How can I help that really good? You know, mm -hmm. and I just stayed in casting. I mean, I loved Megan Fran. They taught me so much. And then I went on oh. to go freelance with Risa Billy and Billy Hopkins helping them on their movies that they were doing, Desperately Seeking Susan and Fatal Attraction. And then Richard Avedon asked them to do a commercial. Mm -hmm. And we did this like IBM commercial. And of course, I only knew off-Broadway actors. I knew theater actors. And we put, you know, Ron Vauder from the Performance Garage and Bob Joy right. and Larry Brigman, all these great theater actors in their With first faces. commercial. Mm -hmm. And the commercial took off in the ad agency world, in the advertising world. And then Risa and Billy started getting all these calls for commercials and they were like, we're not doing commercials. We have too many movies. You go do them. Go open, wow. it, go, go open up your own shed wow. and do commercials. And it became the sort of perfect thing for me to do while I was starting this theater company because I was like doing commercials every day, bringing in theater wow. people. And, you know, we did Annie Leibovitz's commercial, you know, all these cool people that were doing commercials at the time. Mm -hmm. We were casting them and it was great. And then that led to like regional theater, a young director right. who I knew said, come do this play. And then it all right. sort of fell into doing Rent off Broadway. That was when Jim Nicola at the workshop said, we're doing this little musical Shame. and I've tried to turn it down. I mean, I was like, ah, I don't know. And he was like, no, please do this musical. We saw that you did this one for Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers, the director, director the right. opera director. Yeah, the opera mm -hmm. director. I had directed yes. a rock opera for him. That Jim's, and not directed. You mean you cast, cast, sorry, cast. You casted a rock yeah. opera for, for Peter. And mm -hmm. Jim saw that and thought, well, that's what we need in our new rock opera called Rent. What I love about this story is how he approached you and you were kind of reluctant to do it. And yeah. then it became the thing that put you on the map, map yeah. right? And the yeah. best experience I've ever had in my life. <laughs> because you've ever had in your life, you've ever yeah. had in the theater for sure, yeah. right? Yeah. And not because, it, you know, we didn't know what it was, but it was so hard because it was at a time when 
there weren't off-Broadway musicals like there are now every other week. And there wasn't rock pop musicals. It was Les Mis and Saigon. And as I say to agents all the time, nobody wanted their client to do a $200 wow. a week job off-Broadway when they could be on the road and do the spear carrier in Les Mis. You right. know, nobody, $350 right. a you know, week. and nobody yeah. wanted to do it. And I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I knew what I was doing, but it wasn't like I had a list of 20 ideas. Right. So like, for instance, I'm trying to think of the cast, Daphne Rubin Vega. Yeah, Adam Pascal. Right? Adam Pascal. Jesse L. Martin. A few really, Jesse L. Martin, a few Adina really, Menzel, really big names. Tay Diggs. Exactly. So these are people that owe their careers because, I, don't know about, oh, I mean, but, like, yeah. but wait a minute, but you were there casting commercials and you had all of these actors that you knew and commercial performers. This is a very specific kind of vocal range that you were yeah. casting. And somehow, what did you do? Did you hold I was like a detective. Yeah, we were holding auditions. We were looking under every rock possible. Wow. Because how was I going to know a list of 20-year-olds who could sing like the way Jonathan Larson wanted them to sing? Mm -hmm. So we just kept digging and seeing everyone. And it made you realize that is so part of the job with casting, depending on the project, is really searching and looking. You know, we would try to do an open call. No one's coming. It wasn't like when That's, it went to Broadway, uh, 4,000 uh -huh. people showed up for that of open course. call. But right, right. We would put like an ad in the back of the village voice you know, like thinking like, you want to be a rock star? You know, didn't even say it was wow. theater. And I had a little office at the time. And in the back room was like 30 men who looked like Alice Cooper and Adam Pascal. And it was like, please, God, sing. Please, you know what I mean? And please Adam, let of course. someone be able to yeah, say, yeah. wow. And, this you know, Adam was so handsome and sang like a, you know, amazing. And wow. he got cast, but... It was great. Unbelievable. This you know? story is so inspiring to me how it sort of came from kind of nothing. What I do remember about Rent was that it was a long journey. Yes. It started as this workshop, and then there was another workshop, and another workshop, and there was this kind of core bunch of people that kept showing up for the different workshop residences, for instance. Right. And then finally, it was a success at... At the workshop, Jim, and then moved at to At the Broadway. workshop. Right. And there was a big buzz about it. People oh loved God, that show from the first reading. But did casting that change your life? Like, did all of a sudden people start showing up yes, for auditions? because then all of a sudden producers were calling and saying, oh, come do this. You know, I'm, I'm producing Present Laughter on Broadway or Paul Simon. I'm producing The Cape wow. Man. <gasps> you know, then all of a sudden it was yes. like, oh my God. You know, and thankfully my wife was like, you need to get an office and stop using the MCC phone. And wow. you have a real business now. And I got space and because I was a staff of two at the time, you know, and right. all of a sudden Rent was having five national tours. And, right. And you, you know, were casting your damn head off. Yeah. yeah. But it was wow. fun. It was so much fun. And it still is so much fun. It's a great, great job. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, there was this sharp, like, ascent for you after that, like, you sort of started taking off, not just with fabulous projects and new projects, but also, like you said, with regional companies of rent right, and right. different things, and all of a sudden, jobs started coming your way. Was there a moment where you failed or had, like, a big setback that you learned a great deal from? Uh, there wasn't, like, a career setback, I don't think. I mean, I think part of my goal was also when I saw that casting really can be a profession and how do we sort of wake up the world to know that we are part mm -hmm. of a creative team and it is a creative job and no different like a costume designer or a set designer, you know, and still 
It's not a profession that people know about or a job that people know about. All right. So let's talk about it because, first of all, what do you do? Someone calls you or do you call them? Like, for instance, let's talk about the most recent production that I saw, which was Sweeney Todd, right? Right, yeah. That Josh Groban, that idea, that is such a great idea. I don't know who thought of that. And Annalie Ashford, like the casting of that is so genius. I, I can't take any credit for that because when Tommy Kale, the director, called, they already knew. He and Josh had already discussed I doing this production okay. with, with Stephen Sondheim. And right. then they okay. came to me and said, let's put a reading together. We want to hear it with Josh with the intention of doing a Broadway revival. I see. So I was and involved did you bring in everything in else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did we you all, bring in we sat around um, and then that said, amazing child from Stranger Things? Oh, that wasn't plays he great? Gaten, oh my Gaten. God, he's he was so good. good. He was so perfectly, perfectly cast yeah, yeah. for that. It was a lot of inspiring casting in that thing. Yes, thank you. And then to have a lot of new people too get their Broadway debuts mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But yeah, darling, is there no Tony Award that goes to a casting director as yet? No, there is no Tony Award. No Tony Award. There is no Oscar, as I can think right, of. Right, but there is an Emmy. Right, but there's no Oscar okay. either. And it's something wow. we really all, as an industry, it should be. It's, you know, like in movies. It needs to yes. be. Yeah. Because it is mostly what makes the show happen, right? And it's I how mean you it. see the show. It's how you witness it's how the show. You, see you experience exactly. the show. I mean, the Emmys, thank God, yes, there are there are five categories for casting. Well, um, who do we speak to? What petition do we sign? It's, Seriously, darling. It's the Broadway what League. What GoFundMe page do <laughs> yes. we start for this? <laughs> it's the Broadway League for the Tonys and the Oscar. But, you know, they are talking about it. I don't know. Are you they? Know, at least in the Oscar world. You know, it's, it's okay. come up. We as casting directors have brought it up. So... Oh, Who good. knows, but... Well, I'm glad to hear that but, because it doesn't compute to me and I would be interested. Well, I think audiences would be interested the, because yes, everyone be at home is always casting it. You know, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, especially with mm -hmm. the years of American Idol and The Voice and all of that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, yes. We've all learned to have an opinion. <laughs> so why not? So when you're casting something, describe your life a little bit. I mean, I can imagine there was a point in your life where you were just holding a lot of auditions and seeing a lot of people. And then still. it kind of spread and you... Right. Oh, is that true? Oh, yes. Yeah, still. Tell now me. I have a staff and there's 30 people here who yeah. are every day mm -hmm. doing auditions for something. Mm -hmm. But how it starts is we get the call like from Tommy Kale or from a producer Jeffrey Seller or mm -hmm. and say we have this project we want to do a revival of Sweeney Todd or we want to do this mm -hmm. brand new musical Some Like It Hot or whatever mm -hmm. it is and then we ask to see if there's any material we can read if it's something brand new or a score that we can listen to mm -hmm. and then I try to spend as much time with the director a producer and the writers so we could get inside them to understand what is it that they're writing and what is it that they're visioning that we can then supply the options to them. And then we go away yeah. and think of our ideas. Sometimes we do lists if we're talking about a star vehicle for a Broadway play revival. And sometimes we're like, mm -hmm. okay, let us show you these 20 ideas for this one role and 20 ideas for this other role. Sometimes we do live auditions in the room. Sometimes we're doing tapes with people or we're doing Zooms like this. Right. And we're constantly trying to put a collage of a company together. And does it ever not work? Do you ever not cast someone? What's that Oh my God, like? yes. And then you keep going. I mean, you're constantly 
collaborating with the director and they're like, that's not it. Okay. Did you ever get fired? Because it was like, I can't with Bernie. He, no, we brought in 50, sure. five, five days of being cast. No, not in the, and casting and- <laughs> not in the middle of a project like that, but sometimes a lot of these shows go through stages and you cast the first reading. And then the second reading is 19 months later. And then you get the call that, oh, they decided to go with someone else. Right. That happens. <gasps> wow. You know, whoa, 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 yeah, whoa. Yeah. Wow. That happens. Wow, but wow, like, wow. you know, I'm, we're all very tight in the theater world as casting directors, so we don't mind. So you understand, yeah, you get it. Yeah, yeah. But how much of your job is about negotiations? Oh, good question. In the theater world, we actually don't do that. There's a general manager who actually Got makes it. the deals for all the actors. We're there to help when things are like not moving forward, and we try to get involved when the GM asks us. But in film mm-hmm. and TV, we do all the negotiations. I mean, it's a different- but I mean, Let's say Josh Groban wasn't attached to Sweeney Todd and they said, we really want Josh Groban, get him for us, you know? And then you have to make the contact or something and then you have to say, okay. Yeah, then we go after that agent and try to sell the project and try to entice that actor. Oh, come meet the director. Could you come read this? How about we do a reading out loud so you could see if you like it? I mean, we have to try to, you know, entice them to get involved. And then right. every day it's a negotiation of something. Some, you know, you know kind, what I mean? Like selling somebody the idea oh, yeah. of something, right? You know, like yeah. Jesse L. Martin will always tell me if you look at all of our original rent auditions, there's like seven days of auditions and everyone has Jesse L. Martin. No show, didn't show up. Wow. And really? you, know, I had, you know, because it was like, I don't want to do a musical, I'm not a singer. And I drove up to right. Connecticut and I was like, Jesse, you have to come in to rent, (laughs) you know? So you're, you know, it's not always like that, but you're always either negotiating with the agent to try to get people interested. Try to coax people. Yeah, because, you know, many actors have too many choices. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I had this incredible talk with this director yesterday that was so inspiring. And he was talking about a person that he wanted to cast in a role in a movie and how he kept like sort of seeing him at dinner and would go over to the table and go, hey, blah, 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 blah. And then finally, this actor was like, no, no, no. And then the casting person put him in front and said, or they just set up a meeting through a casting director. And all of a sudden, this actor was like, oh, is this what you were talking? It's somehow it's unbelievable how like sometimes you can only get things done through the right channels yeah right how, how much of that is true how, how much of your job is about kind of networking and knowing people and it's making knowing deals people. and you know i mean and i i love agents and managers and whatnot because i talk to them every day do you but it is about <laughs> well i know i have to but i'm kidding i like some of them too you don't always know what's getting to the actor. You know what I mean? And it's a people business. And luckily, because of the MCC theater, I have other relationships with actors because sometimes they're in my theater and I'm in their dressing room with them. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, the scary casting director behind the desk. Right, you know, now they're already right, here. Right, right, right. So as I know actors, I mean, I don't go around the agent, but I'll go to the agent and then also go to the actor. Right. You know, if I can, to say, like, do you know mm-hmm. about this? I'm sure your agent gave you this. Hope you can do it. Wow. Because it's a people business. It's not like it's anything shady. It's just the more ways you can contact people, the better, always, as you must know in your field. I do. What I'm scared of these days, speaking of my field and other fields and all fields, is that social media plays a big part in it, you know? And it's terrifying a little. I mean, do you run up against that? I'm sure in TV you have to run up against, where someone, where you have an idea for someone great to cast in something and they go, oh, they only have 15 followers on social media, so we can't, ca-. I mean, tell me about that. Yeah, What's- it's not as black and white as that, but no. everyone is always bringing up now how many followers they have. It's always being discussed. Is it ever really getting in the way Sometimes. Well, you know, I mean, for you know what? I have to tell uh, you, I was pitching a show to a TV executive and I finally got in front of them. I won't mention who it wasn't. This person runs the studio, you know, and they were going to make a decision. 
And they changed the subject. They, we were about to pitch the show and all they wanted to talk about was like social media following and we should probably think about our social media following. And it was like, well, okay. Like it was dead in the water at this meeting, you know, that was so difficult to get, you know? Yeah, it's really hard that that's becoming the main conversation in all circles, even in the theater. You know, again, it's not know. getting in the way of necessarily someone getting hired or not, but it's just talked about too much. Mm -hmm. Or then it's talked about that actor's presence on social media. You know, right. you know what I mean? Too much, too little. It's that kind of stuff. Do you have fun with social media? No. Do you like it? Do you go on it? Do uh, you have an uh, a, a Instagram page? Uh, our casting office now has an Instagram page. We really resisted it for a long, long time. And wow. the younger people in my office encouraged me to have it. <laughs> uh, so right. we can talk about all the shows, not from a bragging, but congratulate the cast who are opening and such and such. Or, oh, look, the trailer for Color Purple came out. Shouldn't we help promote that? So we're just starting that. And then I'll go on Instagram sometimes. But well, people in my office um, use it all the time. You know, so let's, it's a great let's way to find to young this. actors. You know? oh, well, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. That's why I, I kind of- Oh, we're on that, TikTok because... all the time from a sense of looking for talent or dancers mm -hmm. who are so amazing that they can post things. Yes. Because we can't well, go see them. But also, you know what? I'm involved in this project right now, this television project. And i not kidding. Like, sometimes I think some of these TikTok personalities and Instagram personalities who write and kind of create, some of it is unbelievable. And they have millions of followers. And I feel like, even as a casting agent, you would kind of want to know. Oh, my God, you know, yes. Like, yeah. Like... Benito, like that incredible Benito. I can't think of his last name. He's amazing. And he has like 4 million followers or something. Yeah, yeah. And you look at him and you think like, oh my God, like that person can do everything. He acts, he writes, he sings, he does costumes. I mean, he does, he's hilarious. And I think he is like ultimately someone so incredibly castable. Oh, yeah. Benito Skinner is his name oh, actually. And we love each other and we know each other. It just kind of popped into my Popped into my brain. Oh no, we have literally cast people leads in musicals because we saw them on TikTok. You know, because right. it's like a constant audition. It's a constant you audition. Know? So is what it is. in that exactly. sense, we love social media in that sense. All right. So let's go into this. I, I feel like every single queen listening to this podcast is going to want me to ask this question, which is what are you looking for in an audition? I mean, usually you're probably casting a specific thing. So you're looking for a vocal range. And a color hair yeah, or a color or, eye or something or, like that. Or, right, yeah. or a comedy if they're doing, you know, and just like that, Sex in the City. Mm -hmm. You know, you're looking for someone. But the general thing is someone who's going to come in, and it sounds so cliche, but who in this stark, unrealistic kind of room, right? And I know it's a cold room coming into audition. Yes. But someone who's going to move me and someone who's going to make me feel something that I haven't been feeling all day. I mean, that sounds a little tricky, but... Someone who's going to engage in the material, whether it be that song mm -hmm. or those five pages from Sex in the City, and they're going to make me think differently. And they're going to make me understand where they're coming from and where they're going and really make a choice. And that comes from being prepared and, you know, coming in and owning it. But there's nothing better when you sit behind a desk and it makes you get up. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're seeing somebody emote or feel and instantly. And that always excites me. 
Is it personality that you can perceive? Is it technique that they're extremely good at acting? Like, what is more motivating to you? Do you prefer someone to walk in and go like, oh my God, that person is insane. We have to cast that. Or do you like better when people breathe and know how to breathe and know how to really, really make a sound when they sing, you know, right? No, I like the first. You know know what I mean? Personality. Yeah, that the whole personality is able to come through the material through the song, you know, that right. it makes me feel. You say Annalie Ashford before. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was doing that when she came in for one line in the Sex and the City right. movie. Yes, or to be exactly. the understudy mm-hmm. in the Legally Blonde musical. Like mm-hmm. everything that you saw in Sweeney Todd, she brought that to one line in Sex and the City. <laughs> and you could feel, you know, it was the girl you that was- understand. You just mm-hmm. get it. There's a whole character there and there's a whole world that makes you go, I need to be with her. I need to see more of her. Right. So you're telling me that it took Annalie Ashford a minute to to start working and to get noticed. Yes, a minute. I mean, when I started seeing her, there might be like five projects that I was casting that she did like one or three lines. And then once she did those, then it was like, you just watched her go here, here, You just want to go, yeah. Only because I've been watching her for at least, what, 10 years. And it's funny, it's true. She did have a real trajectory, you know? Whereas like a lot of other actors don't. You don't know who they are and then you do know who they are, you know? Right, right, right. So back to this idea about what people do in casting rooms or in auditions, right? Is there something that you can automatically say like, just don't do that. Why does everybody do that? Is there one thing? Yeah, when they come in and they just start apologizing. (gasps) And it comes out of insecurity and it comes out of fear and it comes out of nerves, but it's not helping them because they're doing exactly what they don't want to be doing, but they're doing it, if that makes any sense. They go, oh, I'm so sorry that I didn't what? Yeah, you know, I I don't have... I didn't bring in all my music or I I didn't get to read the script. Ah. Sometimes it's too much info. You know, just do the audition. Well, I I have a really funny story. When I was in performing arts high school, Alan Parker was making fame. fame, And that was the summer that I graduated. He shot that movie, the summer of 1978 or whatever the hell it was, right? And he auditioned all of us in the class for the parts in the movie. He he ended up working with, for the most part, older actors that looked younger. Like Irene Cara was 20 and she was playing 14, you know. But here we were, these 14-year-olds, like auditioning. And I remember like walking into his office, Bernie, and the part was for that character called Montgomery. And the part was like skinny, redheaded, and I forgot what else it was. And I said to him, excuse me, Mr. Parker, I am none for three. So I don't know what the fuck. And he laughed so hard. And then later in my life, like literally right before he died, which was recently, someone said, you know, I was talking to Alan Parker and he remembers meeting you in 1978 and you walking into the office and going, I'm sorry, but I'm none for three. I don't know what I'm doing here. So it's like, you're saying, don't apologize, except I was going, please don't cast me, you know? Um, And so I guess what I'm saying, is there really anything you can do wrong or right, you know, besides what you said, being prepared? Is there a secret, darling, a secret? You know, the secret is knowing when you come in the room that everybody there wants to cast you. I mean, everybody wants it to be the perfect blind date. Right. (gasps) And it's like, I mean, it sounds cliche, but be your best self so that they'll want to see you on a second date. You know, I always think every audition is like a blind date. 
you know, when you go on a blind date, you're looking in the mirror, you're thinking about what you're wearing, you're thinking about what you're going to talk about. Like all of that thought process goes into that date, so to Mm -hmm. speak. So every audition you have to think of is the same thing, that everybody wants it to be good. So just be able to breathe and be who you are. But you said something amazing, which is that people want to cast you when you walk in. That is not what you feel when you walk into an audition. You feel the exact opposite of that. You feel like these people are so bored. They just want to go home. They just had lunch. Did they have lunch? But think about that. But think about why are you walking in the room thinking that? No one said that to you, but that is exactly what eight out of 10 actors are thinking. Mm -hmm. So it's a thinking thing. It's like, why think that way when you could think, oh my God, they're so excited. I could maybe get this part today. Wow. You, this you, is you such I mean? major, like a, major, yeah, I know. mean it. It's like a crazy, crazy, simple thing. So what you're saying is the best possible thing to keep in mind when you're in an audition, which is that people are dying for you to be right dying. for the part. This we don't get. No. This we do not get. Because right. it's you have to accept, it's already a given that you're in a profession where you're not going to get every job that you go in for. I mean, architects mm-hmm. don't go in for as many job interviews as an actor does. Dentists don't. So it's a given you're not going to get a job. So stop thinking about not getting the job. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish Sussman, every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to ask you, as an expert in so many things, is there advice you can give, first of all, to casting directors or people who want to get into theater or movie pro- casting or even production on that end of it? Is there advice that you can give someone? Yeah, if there's a young person who wants to go into casting, that is great because we welcome that. And there are so many things that that person can do. The Casting Society of America has a website that has all of these programs for new and and young people. I mean, our office has fellowships. But really, it's about start taking note of everything you're watching or seeing and write down, who did you like in that episode of All in the Family? Or who stood out for you when you went to go see that show? Right. Figure out who that was in the playbill that you liked. Start keeping track of your taste and the actors that you mm-hmm. like, and not just the obvious Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep, of course we like them, but who did you like when you went to see Flowers of the Moon, mm-hmm. even if it was like a small part, and recognize and look up on IMDb, who played that part? Like, there's so many things you could do as a young person. I tell that to the young assistants in my office. It's like, start keeping an encyclopedia of the actors that really turned you on, or that right. moved you, so that when you do have that casting interview or that casting job, you know, uh, I hope you can talk about the actors that you saw and that you liked and go um, see everything. You have to watch everything you can you watch. You have to go see And everything. go see everything if you're wanting to go into casting, you know. Mm-hmm. Can you teach this? Can you teach taste? Yes, I think there's something you can teach. You can teach taste. I mean, I don't know. Can you in your world? You know, I mean, it's no. a tricky, I know, it's a tricky... Absolutely not. No, I mean, and, and we're talking about the same world, because I'm, I'm, right, I'm thinking right. about, like, performing arts high school and them kind of knowing at these auditions, or with musicians, especially with musicians. There are people who play beautifully, but they just have terrible taste. And, like, if you're a jazz musician, they do a solo, and it's like, oh, stop playing. And they're great. And technically, it's so great. And the wind, breath control, and it just sounds boring or trite or something. So that's the one thing you can't teach, you know? Right. You can acquire a taste. You can acquire better taste. I don't know if you could teach taste. You have to start with a very, very young, young, young spirit to influence how they see things, to influence their taste. But I don't think you can teach taste, you know? Have you mentored anybody? Have you felt very strongly about Oh, How yeah. do you find casting agents to work at Telsey and Company? Yeah, is it, I mean, what is it called? Telsey and Company? The Telsey or? office. Telsey office. The Telsey office. Nice. The Telsey okay. office. Uh, yes. You know, before the, the shutdown, we used to have mm-hmm. a huge internship program for three months. And it was out of those interns, there was always the star intern who then I winded up hiring as the company was expanding. Mm-hmm. You know, there's 13, 15 senior casting directors here. And 10 of them were interns at one time. I mean, they've all been here Mm -hmm. 29 to 15 years. And they all were interns at one time. Right Now we don't have an internship program. We have a fellowship program. And 
that's how we're finding new casting people coming up the pipeline. You know, right. we've done a real good job in the last three years of uh, having much more members of color in our casting field. Oh, that's interesting. Which is great. Which is that's what very a interesting. Um, I know, darling. Do you like casting Broadway shows better than you like casting movies or TV? You could be honest. No, with I me, can. No you know, I, and this is like the honest answer because I get asked all the time. I think because I'm lucky enough and I kiss the ground, because I get to work in all three mediums, it always rotates. So just when you're like, oh my God, how can we keep doing this Broadway show? Then I get to do a movie and it's up and it's out in three months. And then I get right. to work on a TV show and that's like, faster than hell. You have one week to find a whole cast and then the episode's over. Right. So I really do love all three. I like the ongoing collaboration that happens in the theater because it lasts so long. You know, even if I, in film, I have repeat directors like Rob Marshall or John Chu that mm -hmm. I've been lucky enough to work with. Mm -hmm. So you have a lasting collaboration, but sometimes it's so short that you don't, you know, get the lifeline right. in the theater. You know, it's eight years of Hamilton or 20 years of Wicked. Oh, God. So you're working with the teams for 20 years. So that I thought, is fun. I swear to God, this is such a surprising answer to me because I thought you were going to say, I'm lucky enough to actually have such a big stake in the Broadway because it's such a tiny, tiny Broadway is really not a very yeah, big... Yeah, I mean, that's what's a joy, the theater, because of that. You know what I mean? But... Mm -hmm. Is that why you live in New York? Like, that's yes. why I thought, I, that's why yeah. I, I say to myself, if you really had designs on casting every movie and every streaming series- I would have series, moved to LA. Now that's You what, probably would have moved to right, LA. Right, and I, I love mean, the theater. I mean, that's why I have MCC as well. And so, I, yeah, right. the theater is for me the thrill. Right, and by the way, like three out of five- flights I take to Los Angeles myself a year, I see you on. <laughs> I've never run into a person on one particular path more than you. It's crazy. Um, darling, has there ever been like something that you went like, oh God, I can't believe I just, ugh, why did I cast that person in that part? Oh, of course, but I'm not naming that here. <laughs> Are you no, crazy? Are you sure? <laughs> okay, I'm, I won't name it either. But like, so that doesn't affect your business. People don't go like, yeah, that was a disaster or something. We're not I hope not. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't seem like it. Because, you know, right. no, I don't think so. But <laughs> no. But there are times I where everyone... I have felt with like, oh, I wished I showed them a better option, you know, or another option. Uh or sometimes, you know, you can't help but say, mm, I thought, I said it should have been the other guy, uh, the other gal, you know? Ooh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, go ahead. Don't listen to me. No, I don't, don't listen no. to me. And then I, I have to ask you a few questions about your personal kind of commitment to it. Like, I think that every single artist, every single person who works in the arts, there's some kind of like, a commitment. Do you have any regrets? Did you sacrifice anything in your life in order to have this incredible position and this incredible place in the world? Uh, wow, that's such a good question. That's like a therapy question. I know. I know it is a therapy question, uh, but. Yeah, I think I love what I get to do every day. Mm -hmm. And I feel bad at times that I don't have any other things in my life. You know, as close as I am with my sons and Anne, mm -hmm. and we are all very close. Like I wasn't there for such and such, or I wasn't there for such uh, and such. 
Right. You know, you know what I mean? So sometimes or yes. sometimes the family stuff. Uh, and then I wouldn't know what else I could do because <gasps> I was spending so nice. much time doing MCC and the casting. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have any other trade. <laughs> right. And, I don't know if that's no, bad. I, I don't want another no, one. You know but what? I get it. Just, I get know. it. Tell us a little bit about MCC. What is MCC? Yeah, it's a not-for-profit theater company, an off-Broadway theater company that's been around 38 years that I founded with the late Bob Lapone and Will Cantler. And we are on 52nd Street between 10th and 11th Avenues. Thank you, Mayor Bloomberg. That's our theater. I mean, the casting office is here too, but that's the theater. We have a 250-seat theater and we have a black box 100-seat theater. And it's this wonderful complex that, thank you, Mayor Bloomberg, started to build that we moved in in 2019, finally, because we used to be down at the Lortel. And everything is here. The offices are here, our our high school programs, after school. So the building is filled with high school students or it's filled with Gavin Creel rehearsing his show that starts next week or Jason Robert Brown's show is in auditions because that starts rehearsals in December. So Mm -hmm. it's like a little campus over here with the two theaters and the rehearsal rooms and the offices. And And what is the mission? First of all, what does MCC stand for? It was Manhattan Class Company because we all came out of an NYU class, at at least the original founding members, but not a great name. So we just go by MCC, (laughs) you know, but it's to work on plays and musicals that get you as an audience to talk, whether you like Mm -hmm. the play or don't like the play. We always say there's going to be a third act, which is when you leave talking about the experience, you Mm -hmm. know, and we like to do things that push the envelope a little bit or that make you care or make you question. Is there a role model for MCC? Like, did you go when you were a kid? Oh, if only I had a theater company. Like, was there one specific one that you were exposed to that you really admired? Uh, No, I don't. I mean, Circle Rep, I guess, you know, it doesn't exist anymore. But as a young person coming to New York and I would usher there all the time. And God, you know, Circle Rep. It was on 7th Avenue and Sheridan Square. My goodness. And they were doing new plays and they were developing actors and they were developing playwrights and they were... It was a home for artists. And I think that's what I've always responded to. Right. I mean, because when I was a kid, and I keep going back to my experience at Performing Arts High School, that saved my life, darling. That literally saved my life because I had this really parochial kind of tiny little box that I lived in. And then somehow a teacher said, you don't belong in this box. You need to audition. And she helped me and I got in. And I realized at that point when I started going to that school that life wasn't some scary, horrible thing, but there was actually this wonderful aspect to it, which was this thing I was very good at, you know, and, and it saved my life. And I wish I could find like some kind of national charity that did this, you know, that kind of, and yes, I'm not talking, yeah. you know, like I, I, I'm on the board of New 42, which is great, but that's a very specific agenda. I'm talking about like arts education, wherein you go into classrooms in Kentucky and you say, here's a bunch of money for like a Shakespeare class or a fencing class or a tumbling or whatever it is, you know, like a modern dance class. That is what I would really like to do. And like, so far, I haven't really found that group. I don't really think they exist because I've been I don't think so either. Thing. Right. No, we need to found this group, darling, because I I do think art saves people's lives, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. One day at a time. Totally. I mean it. It really does. No, it's why MCC, we started this high school program. It's a program for after school for high school students, inner city kids 
who want to learn about the art. It does, it's not about whether they become an actor or whether they become a playwright, but to be exposed to what <sighs> theater and can do. And it's- The gift. It's, it's unbelievable. And you know we've been doing it for 30 years and we keep in touch with all the alumni and some of them go on to be professional actors, but you need that. I feel like I was given that luckily by one teacher who dragged me to a community theater. Teachers, darling, school. it's all about, it's all the, about teachers. the teachers. And I feel as though the, the, the lessons to be learned from the lessons of the theater or the performing arts in general are so much more essential and important than like certain kind of like maths that they teach in school. And it's like, I will never use this information, you know? Whereas like, if you could give someone an acting class or a theater writing class or a classical music class or something, like there is so much more, I Oh my swear. God, yeah, whether you become that or not, that gets you through life. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I have one final question for you. Do you have imposter syndrome? Because I do. Not syndrome, syndrome, but I do go, who the fuck are you? You know, like I say that. Like, right. Like, why is this movie star writing me back? Like, right. why are they writing yeah. me back? Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, so yes, I'm always like, pinch me. I just was talking <laughs> to so and so, you know? Right. Yes. Still, I'm in, wow. I'm in awe that I get to do this. So, yes, I do have that. And, Darling, I am obsessed with obituaries. Like, that's the first thing I do in the morning. I open the New York Times and Oof. I literally go to the obituaries. So what if you could write your own obituary? Do you oh, know what no. you would want it to say? No. You're not answering the question. No, no, I would, not I, the question. I would just say happy. I'm just happy. That said so, wow. so weird, but I, I'm just happy. By happy, what do you mean? You were happy in your life? Yeah, and I am happy every day. Like, I get excited about getting up in the morning. I can't wait wow. to start the day. And I wake up and I'm ready. Because you don't know what's going to happen today. Even if I have 12 things on my calendar, it's like, oh my God, I'm getting to talk to Isaac. You know what I mean? Well, darling, my friend Peter just said this to me. He was like, life is so fabulous. Even the problems, it's also challenging. And well, so that's, I was like, yes. who are you? Because I don't really do that. I kind of have to pull myself out I of know the so shell. Many people. No, no. Even the problems are a challenge for me. Like I'll take the problem and turn it into a challenge. Like, right. how can I wow. make that go away? Where did you get it from? I got the happy from my dad. I mean, you know, God. he's a little clueless, but he's happy. You know, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, and I don't know yes. where I got the other thing, the constant battery of like, oh, well, why can't we do that at midnight? There's still another hour left. Right. You know what I mean? I yes. don't know where that came from. I really don't know. That's like an that. East Coast thing. That's an East Coast thing. Okay, it's well, fun. darling, besides a production of Victor Victoria starring me on Broadway, which I know you really want to cast, <laughs> do you have some dream project that you've never done that you want to do? Ooh. Uh, I feel like the, yeah. the musical Carrie. Yes. Even though we at MCC gave it another shot 10 years ago. Right. And it was great. It also wasn't finished. And right. I always hold on to doing that again because the, ah, s the score is really God. good. And I would love to be able to somehow tell that story again. I'm there. I am there for <laughs> opening night on that one, darling. Okay, so Thank what do you, you. want to promote? Uh, promote people to pay attention to who casts that TV show that they love or that <laughs> movie that they okay. love. But projects, I hope everyone goes and sees The Color Purple, which starts between uh, wow. Christmas uh, so it's the new Color Purple, which was so fun to work on, having done the Broadway show, the Broadway revival, and then get to do the movie. Newsflash, everyone is going to go see the Color Purple. No, I know. Purple. It's Newsflash. really good. It's You're really, kidding. really, really good. Oh, my God. I Fantasia can't wait. Fantasia is amazing. Uh, oh, so, stop The whole it. cast. I'm velling. I'm no, no, velling. It's, I'm velling. It's, I'm velling. It's really good. All right. I love you and adore I love you. you. All right. Thank you. I just love everything about that conversation, okay? Seriously, I love how it came from nowhere, right? Bernie Telsey's career came from literally someone calling and saying, would you cast this little show called Rent? And then he was like, no, 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 no. He didn't want to. He went into it reluctantly. And basically, it set him on this fabulous, fabulous trajectory. And then also, this incredible piece of advice that from now on is going to burn centrally in my brain whenever I'm auditioning for anything, which is that 
The casting directors you're standing in front of are absolutely dying for you to be great. They want you to be great. And so knowing that just kind of relieves so much of the tension in the room, so much of the stress of the process. I think that was the real takeaway. The other thing that I now know about my friend Bernie that I never knew was that he is always this like really positive, optimistic, happy guy, you know? I never kind of knew that about him. And, you know, I got to say, I relate to that even though all I do is complain and all I do is like start by seeing the dark side of things. In the end, I think it is this weird sort of optimism that pushes through all of that. Eventually, it reaches the upper, upper echelons of my brain, and I push forward and I do it based on optimism. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. What a pleasure this was today. And sort of a highlight, I think, of my experiences so far on this podcast. Darlings, if you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor and tell someone, tell a friend, tell your mother, tell your cousin, tell everyone you know, okay? And be sure to rate the show. I love rating stuff. Go on and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts so more people can hear about it. It makes such a gigantic difference and like it takes a second. So go on and do it. And if you want more fun content, videos and posts of all kinds follow the show on instagram and tiktok at hello isaac podcast and by the way check me out on instagram and tiktok at i am isaac mizrahi this is isaac mizrahi thank you i love you and i never thought i'd say this but goodbye isaac Hello, Isaac is produced by Imagine Audio, Awfully Nice, and I Am Entertainment for iHeartMedia. The series is hosted by me, Isaac Mizrahi. Hello, Isaac is produced by Robin Gelfenbein. The senior producers are Jesse Burton and John Asante. It is executive produced by Ron Howard, Brian Grazer, Cara Welker, and Nathan Clokey at Imagine Audio. Production management from Katie Hodges. Sound design and mixing by Cedric Wilson. Original music composed by Ben Walzer. A special thanks to Neil Phelps and Sarah Katanak at I Am Entertainment. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is Sheep Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters 
every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.